what is up everybody how you doing how you living coming here to review week five of the nfl season justin Teresa and i austin cunningham uh plenty of going on a lot of heartbreaking news uh but at this point in the year we're starting to kind of see where teams are and kind of how they're developing we're going to break down into some games the eagles and the steelers the browns and colts and then the cowboys and giants plenty to dig into and more but first justin Teresa, how are you doing man I'll tell you what, I'm doing a lot better than Dan Quinn is. That's for certain. Ooh, that's a tough shot there. Sorry about that, Falcons fans. That was a good one, though. That uh, was a good one. But really, it was a good weekend, dude. It was pretty chill. Uh, we did family pictures on Saturday, which is always a nightmare. But, hey, you know, you do what you got to do. And then Sunday, I just sat and watched football all day long. So, can't complain there. There you go. Uh, a pretty heartbreaking weekend for myself in terms of fandom. Texas Longhorns lose to Oklahoma. Chiefs lose to the Raiders. Definitely didn't see that coming, as as well as I think a lot of other Chiefs fans. Um, and then to just top it off, Heat lose in the finals. Congrats to the Lakers. Uh, very deservingly so. Glad you were able to do that in honor of Kobe Bryant. Um, and just one of the toughest NBA seasons we'll probably ever see uh, from here on out, especially with COVID-19 taking place this year and really just messing up a lot of things for a lot of people. But we are a football podcast, and that is what we're going to stick to. Dan Quinn, Trish, you said it pretty much starts the show, is out in Atlanta, as well as their general manager. A guy we got to meet and kind of listen, you know, be interviewed directly in front of us. And a very nice guy, when you talk about started from the bottom, but now we're here, that was literally Thomas Dimitrov. He started as a groundskeeper and then worked his way up to be the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. And, uh, in my opinion, has done well building the team, but it's just hard to continue that type of production when your guys are getting injured and you're losing ball games, which I do think falls on the coach. Both of those guys are out. I think the Houston Texans are looking at Thomas Dimitrov and going, hey, huh, thank you, Atlanta. We will take him right now. So I think he finds a job very quickly. Now for Dan Quinn, I don't know where he lands as a defensive coordinator or even if he gets a job and starts out as a defensive coordinator, that is interesting because it looks like he lost the team at Atlanta. Those are just kind of my thoughts on it. I don't know what they do moving forward or how they look, what they should do with draft picks, the future of Matt Ryan and that team. They have to have him because his salary cap hit is huge in the next two years. But, Trace, dude, I got to ask you a couple questions. The thoughts of Matt Ryan being the future of the Atlanta Falcons, what do you do for head coach and then general manager – how do you rebuild? How does a general manager come in and try and fix this team with the salary cap hit that they have on the offensive side of the ball? Whew, that's a lot to take in. So let's start off with let's start off with Dan Quinn. Uh, I've seen this on Twitter, and maybe it's just wishful thinking for Gators fans, but I could easily see him going back to be the Florida defensive coordinator, uh, which is where he kind of got his start before he went to Seattle. So I could see that. Uh, I also could see him going as a defensive coordinator in the NFL if he wanted to stay there. I think there's plenty of options there. Uh, as for a GM that has to take this on, like you said, yeah, huge, huge hit for Matt Ryan. So you have to keep him for the next two years. I think combined it's like $120 million over the next two years. Uh, yep. So that, that sucks. Uh, but also, Matt Ryan is still a very good quarterback. So I don't have an issue with that. And I don't think a new GM would have an issue riding it out with Matt Ryan the next two years. Because then that GM can always say, well, this isn't my guy. This isn't my quarterback. You have to give me a chance to have my guy in here before I officially fail. So it actually gives him two years to, one, fix the salary cap, 
hell that they're in, and then two, get some new younger talent in there. Uh, is this where Julio Jones may have to go to a new team to take off some of that hit at some point? Wow. Yes. Uh, You're like you would consider that. I would consider that for sure. Uh, I would obviously you want to keep them around, but maybe after next year, so one more year of having Julio and Matt Ryan. But then after that, maybe you have to make that move. Julio will be, I think, about 32, 33 at that point. So might have to make that mistake, or I shouldn't say mistake. That tough call there. Um, as for, I mean, obviously it depends on the GM of who that new head coach is going to be, but a couple guys that just came to mind is one, I could see them wanting to keep it in house and going with Dirk Cutter, who was the head coach at Tampa Bay, who's now the offensive coordinator. Uh, you could also go with their defensive coordinator currently, who is now their interim head coach. Um, but another team that I've been, I've been watching a lot lately that I'm like, I wonder if this guy starts to get an option. And that's Randy, I think it's Fish Fishner. Um, he's the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. I think what the Steelers offense has been doing, especially this year, is awesome. Like, they've been a very good and creative team. And he's been using speed. You can see that in Claypool, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. He could use that with guys like Ridley and even guys like Hayden Hurst. Um, so mm-hmm. I could see him. He's a bit older than a guy, so it might might not be a real possibility. But I could see him uh, having that option there. So, but either way, it's going to be tough. It's as a Falcons fan, um, it's tough to see that you were just so close to a Super Bowl and then it's just fallen apart ever since. And uh, you kind of missed your window. Like I think that window is basically gone. And um, it's going to be interesting. That guy's going to be have his his work cut out for him. But I think it also it's a very exciting job with the playmakers you you do have. Yeah, and I ask mainly because as a new general manager coming in, are they going to look at Matt Ryan and go, "Hey, uh, you know, we can find a way to just maybe get the next guy, get the guy of the future," because you're probably going to end up with the top five pick in the NFL draft. I don't know if you come in with the resurgence. And just start winning ball games for Atlanta. I mean, you just lost to Carolina. If you're losing to Carolina in this division with the way that team is looking, yes, they have played better on both sides of the ball. But for Atlanta, that's you're not gonna you're not then gonna go out and beat the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if you're losing to the Carolina Panthers. Like at this point in the year, that's just not gonna happen in my mind, especially moving on to a new head coach. So as a new guy coming in, do they possibly look at this and go, hey? We like we like Matt Ryan, but are we really gonna spend a top five draft pick other than another quarterback that we have coming in? Because you've already rebuilt the offensive line, but you really need help on the defense. Like you need a pass rusher. I think your final linebacker, your secondary could use some help too. But it's just really that question mark of is Matt Ryan the guy here for the next couple of years because we're forced to have him, or should we just go ahead and get uh the future in right now? Just a question I wanted to throw out there. But speaking of quarterbacks and the future of a team, Jimmy Garoppolo was benched in his return from an injury, throwing some key interceptions, hobbling around the field with an injury, and it's just not looking good for Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers, who they could have gotten out of his contract this year. Kind of hard to do that when the guy takes you to the Super Bowl or is on the roster with you as you make it to the Super Bowl. I shouldn't say he took you there. Uh, 
but just another one of those things to kind of keep an eye on and how does that go forward with the San Francisco 49ers and C.J. Beathard, Kyle Shanahan, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Trace, do you have any thoughts you want to add to that? I know I just kind of brought it out of left field, but I just want to know if you have any thoughts or should we just keep rolling? Uh, I mean, I always have thoughts on everything, I, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, that's, it, it's a tough situation, right? Because you don't have your, you don't have your guy. You clearly don't. Uh, neither of the other two are the guy either. Let's not kid ourselves. So you're going to need to be looking for a new quarterback next year. With that salary off the books, you will have money to spend. It's not like you have a ton of money to spend, but you will be able to try to get someone. Uh, the question is, is who is that guy? And for me, I think the bigger question is, is there a veteran quarterback that gets in a situation like Philip Rivers did last year, where he's looking for one-year deal, looking for a team that has a good offensive line, good running game, and is willing to make the move. Um, so that's the question, and who is that player? I don't know who that player is. <laughs> like, I, oh. I really don't. <laughs> like, it, it's tough. Um, you brought up Matt Ryan. I mean, you can't. They can't get out of that contract. But Matt Ryan, like going back to Shanahan, would be just so awesome. <laughs> uh, I would yeah. be super excited about that. Um, I wish I kind of knew who the free agent quarterbacks were going to be off the top of my head. I don't. Um, but the way he schemes his offense is you. You want somebody that is somewhat athletic a little bit just for the rollouts and all that. Um, but not a dude that needs to be like, even a, not even like a Carson Wentz, right? Like you don't even need that athletic. Like, like look at Matt Ryan, for example, right? Like he can move yeah. around, but he's not going to scare you to just take off. all. You the need time. a Kirk Cousins ultimately is what you need. <sighs> Kirk Cousins would be awesome because they are, I mean, he's already proved that he can be awesome in that offense with when he was with mm-hmm. the Washington Redskins. Right. So, yep. Um, I'm just trying to think here. So sorry. Um, is Nick Foles a free agent? I don't know. I know he restructured his deal, but um, I'm not sure if he's a free agent. So that would be awesome if Nick Foles is a free agent. Um, I don't know who else there is though. Um, it, it's tough. You're kind of getting into the slim pickings at that point. So um, to answer your question, I don't have anybody in mind, but. Yeah, they, they desperately need a new guy. That's what it's at. Who else did you say was a free agent? Nick Foles and who? Uh, that's it. I was just – that's all I knew. Mm. I don't know if you heard me then. I think we might have had a little disconnect there. But Matthew Stafford, is there a possibility the Lions just blow it up and go on from there? Very much. And, oh, my goodness, Matthew Stafford would be so good in that offense. He would legit lead them to a championship. Like if there's if this roster stays healthy, that's that's a championship, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think we did have a disconnect there between us because did. I didn't realize you were still talking. But I was saying with with Matthew Stafford, the possibility to the Detroit Lions go. This is a team that we were talking about uh, before we got on air uh, or started recording. Excuse me. Was do they just decide to blow it up and go? Hey, let's move forward with Matthew Stafford. Or let's move on without Matthew Stafford. I mean, I think they should not. I don't think they will. That's what I think. I think that they're going to... Do you like how I almost said should and then should not? Yeah, you confused me. That was good. Yeah. So 
Uh, yeah, I've had this conversation with Riley, and this is what I think. I think that they blow it up in the sense of whole new coaching staff and new GM. But I think that this GM is going to go, one, know what? Give me one more year with Stafford. I mean, how many... At this point, if I'm Matthew Stafford, like I don't want another fucking one more year. I know. I want to win. Like I'm tired of every three to four years, the son of a bitch gets blown up, and I got to restart with people. For sure. Absolutely. We finally just got a running back. We finally just added to our defense. I finally have receiving weapons outside of Megatron that I can go to. And here we want to blow it up again because it's not happening quick enough. You're turning into the Cleveland Browns, unfortunately. Where it's like every three to four years, no matter where it's at, need to do better. Need to do better. Just figure it out. I mean, ultimately, and that's tough to say because we've come in the last two years going, hey, Lions might be better than we think. Lions have a chance. This might be it. It's, Here we go. It's true. Um, my thinking is, as a GM, say they, I don't think the Lions are going to be bad enough to have a top four or five pick. I think they're going to be closer to 8 to 10 where they don't get a chance at the top three quarterbacks. And so my thinking is a GM is going to go, well, let me ride with Stafford because, again, just mm-hmm. like how I just mentioned with the Falcons situation, that GM can always then go, well, yeah, we didn't year win year one, but I don't have my guy. right? Like That's always the biggest yep. thing for GMs is having their guy. I mean, look at the Bears, for example. Like... Ryan Pace may get fired because guess what? His guy was Mitchell Trubisky. That was his guy. Yep. Given I say that, yet the Bears are four and one, so uh, he's the dude's not losing his job if they keep winning. If they if it's ugly or not, uh, you keep winning games, you're not going to get fired. Uh, in the end, it doesn't matter if you win by one or a hundred because uh, in the stat book it is a win. So we'll see how that plays out. I mean, you're right. I think I think I'd say that like disappointedly, but in a way it's like that's exactly right and you're on track with it. It's just man, I feel so bad for Matthew Stafford. I feel bad for the Detroit Lions fans. I don't know what you call yourself as a fan base, but fuck. You might want to find something else too because I don't know when it's going to work out for the Detroit Lions. Just to frankly be honest. Let's just move on to some other sad disappointing years for some guys uh in terms of injuries, Sammy Watkins, he goes out with a hamstring injury for the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as their offensive guard that they went and picked up this offseason, Kaleshio Semele, tears tendons in both of his knees. Uh, it was more of an effort play to get to try and get down the field and block. You see him running, and the next thing you know, his legs just collapse, and his body just goes limb, and he just hits the ground. Uh, so you hate to see that for both these guys. Sammy Watkins is a huge part of that Kansas City Chiefs offense, uh, more than I think a lot of people want to realize, including people that are fans of the Kansas City Chiefs, because with Watkins out, that offense struggles quite a bit. Deontay Johnson is another person who went down with an injury, um, and Dalvin Cook as well. Therese, do you have any other details to add to those? Um, I bet Johnson stays out for a couple weeks because he was banged up a couple weeks prior. Uh, one of my notes for the game, actually, since we're going to be talking about a serious game, is like, I don't know why they keep putting him at punt return. I know that he's a playmaker, but like, he's so important to that offense that like maybe you should put somebody else back there on punt returns. So I bet he misses some time. Dalvin Cook. I mean, he was on the sideline last night and he was walking around. I think he actually came back in for one play. 
Uh, not saying that that's a good thing or not, but uh, yeah, I would not be surprised if he missed a game. So um, I actually don't know the Vikings' schedule off the top of my head, but don't they have a bye coming up in the next week or two? Um, I actually have that in one of my favorites. So bear with me one moment, and I can give you that. So answer they play the Falcons. Right they play the Falcons next week. To, so uh, here's the deal: he's going to sit out next week. How the hell did you find that faster than me? Oh, uh, because I'm really good at the interwebs. So um, yeah, I'm really good at the interwebs. <laughs> so sorry, that was childish. You're good, but you're good. Props to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to answer your question. Dalvin, I bet Dalvin sits out next week. Why would you play against the Falcons? Yeah, just let Madison. Mattinson, I believe is how you said. Madison. Oh, all right. Madison, look at that. Uh, the big injury, though, the one that broke the NFL um, and really had everyone coming together on on the old Twitter, and that's the injury to Dak Prescott, man. That was a brutal injury to watch. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, view discretion advised because it is tough seeing him escape the pocket to the left, is getting downfield, it gets tackled. It's one of those awkward tackles that, Treese, we've talked about before and how I just absolutely hate it. It's one of those ones where you just you grab the guy and then you just drop your weight on him. And, I mean, these guys in the NFL, they're strong, but you're not strong enough to just carry another man you know, that just puts all of his weight on you, and he gets his ankle rolled up, breaks it, um, and then you see him grab his leg and, like, slam it to the ground to straighten his foot. And it was just like, what the hell, man? Like, how does this happen? How does this have to happen to Dak? The dude's been through enough already as it is this year. The Cowboys, they started off slow again, and they're starting to make their way back into the game. And then this injury happens. The best part that came out of it was the amount of respect that Dak Prescott has around the NFL was showcased. You know, it sucks to see that he signs a franchise tag this year, was playing to earn another contract, trying to show that he deserves it. I think he already has done that, and he continued to do it this year. The dude's having a monster season throwing the ball uh, down the field, ton of yards. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it's fucking impressive. And so for that to happen to him, dude, I just I feel bad. He is on the franchise tag, so he's guaranteed uh, over $30 million. So he's going to be okay in terms of money. But, like, that guaranteed contract that you would have after being hurt within this year, that's why people want contracts. Like, that's why they want to get paid. They don't want to sit here and risk this. We've seen it the last three or four years happen to everyone that's been controversially placed on the franchise tag gets injured. And I I feel bad for Dak. I hope he's okay mentally. Uh, Physically, it's going to take four to six months for him to recover. It is his right foot, and that is his plant leg when throwing the ball on his drop back. So... That's going to be tough to recover from as well. I just I wish him the best, man. I doubt he hears this aspect of stuff, but I really do wish the best for Dak Prescott moving forward. Yeah, I think we all do. It's it's unbelievable, and he's just fantastic. He's a fantastic human. He's a fantastic player. Um, you never wish to see that. Just heartbroken. Everybody was watching that. Uh, watching him get carted off was just oh, it was brutal. So. I mean, probably worst type of injury we've seen since the Alex Smith thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was hard to watch for sure. Um, I'll say it. Jags can Jags can pay him. They're they're projected to have the most money in uh, in the cap space. 
heading into next year right now at like over 85 million dollars right now uh if they if they can't get into that top three which honestly i'm not sure if they can at this point i don't know if the giants (laughs) jets or falcons are giving that up uh right now right now i think they have pick six right now but like the vikings are ahead of them and vikings are going to win some games and then there's somebody else that's ahead of them that i can't remember that i'm like they'll probably win some games but the other ones I'm, i'm not sure if they're going to so jags really may be like fourth and that may not be good enough to get your guy at quarterback at this point uh because i mean i don't know though let's think about this the giants say the giants are top couple pick do they give up on daniel jones uh i know we're going to get into it here in a little bit but my answer is no okay so let's say that that makes it so no matter what one of the big three are there uh jets do they give up on darnold I think the Jets are stupid enough to do so, but I don't think they should. Okay, so let's say that's picks one and two, and then three. Then you have the Falcons, let's just say, hypothetically, on how I think this is playing out. Like you said, they can't. They can't get rid of him, right? Given one and two, somebody would trade. But the Jags, if they have pick four, can they trade up to one by giving up hell? Can they give up one... The late 20 pick from the Rams, which right now is projected to be a 27, and then that early second round pick that's going to be the Vikings. So you give up four 27 and say it's 40-ish. Like Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. You give up those three picks to move up three spots for Trevor Lawrence. I think you try to keep the second rounder, the early second rounder, or maybe you can do that and keep the late first rounder. But you got to keep one of them if you're trying to trade up to number one. And I say you don't. I say fuck it, I'm sick of having mediocre and really bad quarterbacks my entire life. This is your chance. If you have to lose an early second-round pick for it, go for it. It it literally is making it so you get get, uh, Chase on who they got in the first round last year and Trevor Mm -hmm. Lawrence for Yanni Kangakwe and Jalen Ramsey. That's what the, I I know it's a lot, but again, your quarterback yeah. quarterback wins it for you. Like let's not, <laughs> I know let's not just, forget about what you felt like when you didn't have Patrick Mahomes and Alex okay. Smith, right? All right, touche. Like you would do but, anything for that, and you would give anything for it. And I'm at that point. Like sell it all. I don't care. Like I think that I actually think the the playmakers on this team are good enough for Lawrence to dominate with. Uh, I think that it's the defense that doesn't. If you have all this money, you draft Lawrence, and then you spend all your money building a defense like you did before the 2017 season because that's what they did. They spent a ton of money, and that's how they got Boyer. That's how they got Campbell. That's how they got Malik Jackson. Like It wasn't from the draft. Yes, they had Yannick, and yes, they had Ramsey, but like even their safeties, man. Like Three of the four safe, or defensive backs on that team were free agent signings, and then two... Two of the four defensive linemen were free agent signings. So, so you would much rather here if there's a way you can get Dak Prescott by just paying him shitloads of money. Would you do that and then still have those three picks? Because you've you fixed your offensive line in a way, correct? Are you uh, happy with your offensive line? Uh, I'm. I mean, if they paid Prescott, then I would want them to take the left tackle out of Oregon. Uh, with that top five pick. Say that again, sorry. If they took Prescott and paid him, mm-hmm. 
then with that top five pick they had, I would want them to do Sue, the uh, the left, left tackle, tackle from Oregon. Oregon. Correct. Yep. Um, because I just think that they can still improve that. The, the offense line is played fine. Like, it hasn't been bad. It hasn't been good. It's, I would say it's average in the NFL. Uh, but when you're picking the top five, you protect that asset. And especially after that ankle injury, like, you'd have to do whatever you could to make sure oh. that he got hit as loose as amount as possible, right? So I would say that's the route I would go with that first pick. But also, I am fine with the approach of trade your early round picks, take Lawrence, uh, and then pay the defense. And you're still on a rookie deal, given it's a number, you know, number one pick deal. So it's mm-hmm. he's still going to get paid a pretty penny, but it's still a rookie deal, right? Like you're not getting paid twenty five million dollars a year at that point. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I'm on record saying I am good with them trading. If they end up with a top five pick and not number one, trade that one, trade the first rounder of the Rams, trade the second rounder of the Vikings, and get your way up there. Damn. All right. I just know that's getting clipped. At least it fucking better be. <laughs> uh, there. That's how you fix the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's your future. <laughs> Kiss this season goodbye and hire Justin Trees because he just did it for you. Um Alex Smith, though, makes the comeback. You called it. Comeback player of the year. Dude found his way on the field. Kyle Allen gets hurt trying to lower his head against Jalen Ramsey or (laughs) someone against the Rams and just got lit up. Uh, That's your own fault, dude. I am sorry you got hurt, though. Alex Smith comes in. Awesome getting to see him back on the field, but, boy, at the same time it was so stressful because the guy got sacked six times. In one of them, Aaron Donald just jumps on his back. I was just like, Aaron, do you not just know what happened to this guy? But I guess that's the beauty of the NFL. You don't give a fuck, you know. You got a job to do, and he did it. And, man, Aaron Donald's so good at football. But Alex Smith, it was great to see him on the field. I loved it. I just happened – I just can't help but wonder, like, are they going to continue to let him start and play behind that offensive line? Or do they just look at it as, hey, dude, thanks, but we're we're too stressed watching you play to, like, possibly re-injure that leg. Man, I hope they give him another shot. But, I mean, in reality, you kind of think that they just go back to Haskins after being uh, inactive this last week. Uh, I think that's the most realistic thing. But was has there ever been a more, like, a situation – I'm just trying to figure out how to word this, sorry – where you have all these people watching football and everybody's watching their own shit, right? Like everybody's on Sunday ticket, watching their own games, watching their own things. And everybody say, fuck it. I don't care about my team and switch the channel to a different game all at once. Like we did. Like I would love to see the rating spike from two minutes before the injury to five minutes after the injury when it got announced that Alex Smith was coming in. I bet that that was the highest rated game moment of the day besides maybe the Dak Prescott injury moment. Like, I bet those are the two biggest moments where you had the most eyes on the channels. Speaking of that, did you see that? I mean, it just shows that how football is king. Uh, that last night's game was like over double the amount of viewers than the NBA Finals game six. Are you serious? Yeah. I was shocked. I actually was watching the basketball game more than I was watching the football game. Same. 
because I watched that whole game because I'm a Heat fan. People don't know that. Uh, I am a Miami Heat fan before and before, during and after LeBron James. So suck on it. Um, but it was nice to see them in the finals. And then I was watching the game. Fucking Heat got blown out. You know, LeBron James and Lakers were on a mission. Um, again, congrats to them. But, like, after it ended, I wanted to make sure that LeBron got MVP and they didn't just fuck it up and give it to Anthony Davis for some reason. And they did give it to LeBron. But then it's like, all right, I guess I'll just check in on the Vikings-Seahawks game. I was like, what the fuck? The Vikings are winning? And it's just – this shows why football's king because you can sit there and watch game six of the finals. We all pretty much knew LeBron James was going to close it out. They're already up 3-2. They're fine. You go to an NFL game, though, it's like you don't know what can happen. Vikings running the ball down the throat all game long. I don't think this is a game. We're not getting into this game, so I'll just go ahead and do it. Vikings running the ball down their throat all game pretty much, and then at the end on a fourth down, the Seattle's linebackers just get in the way. Like they go and meet the blocker and then slow down the running back behind it. Just excellent defensive play that one time. That's all you needed. And then Russell Wilson, or excuse me, Russell Wilson just makes some magic happen. Like that dude is so fucking good at football. And DK Metcalf. Why the hell did everyone just buy in on the three cone being a problem? Like, who fucking cares? I mean... Like, he's so good at football. And, yes, it's because he's with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson can drop that ball in there. You put him, like, with the Atlanta Falcons. You put him on the Minnesota Vikings. You put him on the Kansas City Chiefs, the Oakland Raiders, Arizona Cardinals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the fucking Jets. We're all looking at this guy like, man, that's a difference maker on the field. Like, that's good. Because he's doing it with the Seahawks, but he's taking the he's taking the number one job over Tyler Lockett. Whether you want to believe it or not, the dude's dominating. Yeah, he one hundred percent is, and you don't get carried away with like he'd be this good on. And I'm, I know you're not saying this good, but being a difference maker on the Jets, nobody's a fucking difference maker on the Jets besides Adam Gase. So who knows what Sam Darnold will do if he had a guy that he could just trustingly throw the ball up to? It's true. It it, it really is true. Uh, they still can't protect them, so that's a ha ha, anyways. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, the three cone was a hor- horrible reason for him to slide. But also, let's not forget, he did have like neck surgery like six months before the draft as well. So there was that as well. Like, that's that's yeah, a but real it's now padded by like three pounds of fucking neck muscles. 100%. 100%. I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I, I think we're that, not arguing. I, yeah, I think that he's moved into that what, top seven, eight wide receivers in the NFL discussion? Yeah. I mean, easily top ten, right? I'm And I'm just trying to, like, think off the top of my head, like, guys, I'd rather have ahead of him. We'll get into that next episode. We have a huge wide receiver thing we want to talk about next episode, yep. so we don't have to discuss it right now. Um, but speaking of wide receivers, let's talk about the Michael Thomas situation. Um, turns out it's not just Falcons fans that hate Michael Thomas because they have this weird hatred for him because heaven forbid somebody is talked about in the same breath as Julio Jones. It's almost like the Chiefs' hatred for Lamar Jackson because how dare there be somebody discussed in the same breath as Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to wait for you to look up. Um, Sorry, he was looking down everybody, so I just had to make sure he was paying attention. I mean, get that shit out of here. Um, So, but really, let's move. Let's stay on track. Sorry, I just wanted to make the joke. Um, So, Michael Thomas. There are now reports: one that he punched Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the head while wearing did he while wearing a helmet because people are. I thought he got punched. No, he punched Michael 
or he punched Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey Gardner. What an idiot. Yeah. Um, supposedly because he with was, the helmet on. With the helmet Your on. Your job is to catch passes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's idiotic. Um, and now there's reports that he was like just an awful teammate to uh, some guys at uh, Ohio State. They all hated him. Uh, he used to like just dominate Eli Apple. Fun fact: everybody dominates Eli Apple. But uh, <laughs> he was doing that, and he would just throw the ball at Eli Apple after he caught it every single time. And then he would go to the defensive coordinator and say, get the sorry-ass cornerback off the field and go recruit ones that can actually guard me. Um, one, I like. I actually like the confidence. <laughs> like, I, I'm good with that. Um, but two, I'm, I'm sure that could wear thin if that happens just day after day after day. Um, again, that's probably why a lot of teammates back in the day didn't like Kobe Bryant either. But... Um, just saying that. So, anyways, long story short, gets in a fight with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And what did the Saints do? Hey, Michael, guess what? For being a little bitch, uh, you're not <laughs> playing Monday night. So he's inactive tonight, Monday night, yesterday for those of you listening to this, because he got in a fight with a teammate. I knew about the fight. And I saw, I don't know if someone was making a joke or if it was, like, how the, the Saints do things. But it was, like, he got in a fight on, like, massage and yoga day. Like, hey, we're supposed to do yoga and massages. Like, you know, just relax, prepare for the game, get stretched out, be ready to go. Dude picks a fight. I mean, I, I'm i not going to lie. I'm kind of on the train of hating Michael Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't stand him on social media. I hate looking at him. I hate his stupid little fucking face paint underneath the eye. I just, all he does is run slants. Like, if I can't, I'm reaching a point where, like, I can't stand Michael Thomas. Good receiver. You you find a way to get open in the scheme, and you catch the ball when it's thrown to you. You're a huge part of the offense. The ball gets thrown to you a lot. And people still can't find a way to just get in fucking front of you. I don't, I just, uh, I wish you would have gotten his ass beat. Like, I wish you would have gotten his ass beat in the fight and then been suspended. Because, like, hearing that, like, that's what you said to your teammate in college and then you go to a defensive coordinator. Man, I would have ran that motherfucker all practice. If that's, oh, I mean, maybe at the same time you don't because, like, hey, dude's pretty good. Uh, I guess you got to get better, Eli. You better find a way to stop him. There's something about like respecting and hating it at the same time. That's kind of where I'm at. Dude, I respect it a hundred percent of the time, all the time. <laughs> like I think it's awesome. Like, given, don't get me wrong. If he was in my division, my team's division on another team, oh, I would hate that dude with a passion. One hundred percent. I would be like, get this sorry ass bitch off the field. But <laughs> but right now, he has nothing to do with me. And he's like, he's not even in the same conference. So I know what I like it. Uh, so that's that's that new. So that's um, a good way of reviewing it. That's why you guys are not seeing him on the field tonight or yesterday. Um, let's let's dive into some week five recaps at this point. I mean, I I don't know how far along we are at this point. I think we're like forty minutes in at this point, but it's fine. Holy shit! <laughs> so um, let's talk Steelers Eagles. So this game 
was um, a blast to watch is I is I think is a good way of wording it. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a 38 to 29 victory for the Steelers. Uh, so two score game, but it was not a two score game. It was a very close no. game. Yep. So um, Austin, how about I let you kick this one off today? Yes. So it was TJ Watt's birthday on Sunday. And he started off the birthday celebration with a sack pretty much immediately into the game. So good for him. My notes are going to go back and forth here because I didn't section them off as I did it per team like I usually do. And I didn't realize it until I was about three quarters of the page down. So just bear with me here. I'm bouncing back and forth on the teams. Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. You you pretty much have them go three and out for the Eagles. Steelers get the ball back. There's third and 16 for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson catches the ball and instead of trying to get upfield tries to reverse and then gets like tackled three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage and I was like what the hell are you doing dude and it just didn't go well from there Miles Sanders had a big game on the ground two touchdowns but a huge majority of his yards came on one play and that was like the 76 yarder uh excuse me that he had down the left side of the field welcome back to Pittsburgh I know that's excuse me, where you're from. So that's a huge run and a huge moment for him. But a guy that just absolutely dominated this game, Chase Claypool. He had four touchdowns. It should have been five. That pass interference call that was called on him at the end of the game on the comeback route that he ran was a beautifully placed ball by uh, Big Ben. That wasn't pass interference. The dude just makes sure that he has cleared his arms to turn around and catch it and then he breaks a tackle right on the sideline gets up the field and scores now with the eagles here this is pretty much where the rest of these notes go carson wentz hanging on to the ball too long that one point you got sacked you had, you had the ball for six seconds just learn to throw it away like i know you hate that i would much rather see you throw the ball away and potentially get intentional grounding instead of getting walloped or just hung on and sacked in the pocket and risk getting hurt again just find a way to do that. The Steelers this game, I know I just said the rest of the Eagles. The Steelers, they literally did whatever they wanted this game, running it and passing it. They just destroyed this defense. But two of their touchdowns that came for the Steelers was because of weak defensive pass interference calls that put them right up at the goal line for them to just execute and score off of. I didn't think they – I think they were just ticky-tack calls. I didn't really like them. The Wentz interception that he did have – that wasn't his fault. That was a defensive pass interference that didn't get called on Zach Ertz. Where Zach, where, excuse me, where Carson Wentz threw that ball is where Zach Ertz would have been if that defensive lineman that dropped into coverage wouldn't have shoulder checked him as he was hooking. I just think that was something that didn't get called. But you want to call the two, the two pass interference calls on the Eagles. Um, the other thing though that I really, 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 really want to get into. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the NFC East. And a huge part of that's because Dak Prescott just got hurt, but I mean it. And the receiving core that they have, the, the the Eagles have found their offense. They have naturally found their offense by getting fucked over with the people that they've signed in free agency getting hurt. Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, you might as well just trade them away. Like legitimately. You're getting to a point of the season where you can trade those guys away and find a way to get some draft capital. Because Fulgham or Fulgham, I believe, yes, Fulgham is how you say his name. It took me forever to try and pronounce it, and of course I fuck it up here, is the new white, is the new number one receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Carson Wentz, trust him. He came off the practice squad last week, had a big catch along the left sideline. Carson Wentz after the game was like, hey, uh, a lot of the defensive players were talking him up. You know, a lot of the guys in the receiver room was like, hey, this dude works hard. To be honest with you, that's the same exact thing I heard Aaron Rodgers say about Alan Lazard last year when he had a couple big moments on a primetime game. Fulgham comes in and leads this team in receiving, has some huge catches down the middle of the field, along the sidelines, in contact, away from it. But Fulgham and then Ward, there's your little speed receiver to go along with Jalen Rager. Then you have Zachert and Goddard for your tight ends, and then Sanders as your running back and Wentz as your quarterback. Duh. Keep that offensive line healthy. You're going to have to rebuild that. But I can tell you right now, they have found their receiving core. That's it. Get rid of Alshon Jeffrey. He can't stay healthy. Deshaun Jackson can't stay healthy. Get rid of him. You have size and speed and experience right here, especially with re- with reliable targets and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. That's what I have to say about the Eagles in this game. The Steelers, they deservingly win it, um, and that's where we're at. They just keep rolling in the north. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the north um, and beat Baltimore. I don't think they sweep them, but I think they find a way to win uh, and ultimately win that division and just roll into the playoffs as, like, the top three seed. Sorry, that was a lot, but that's where I'm at sporadically with my notes. You're good. You're good. We actually have a lot of those same notes. So, again, I already brought this up. Why is Deontay Johnson covering punt returns at this point? It makes no sense. Like, the dude's been injured multiple times this season. Why are you putting him in another situation to get hit? I get that he's a playmaker, but you got other guys that can take that responsibility. Um, McFarland is going to get a bigger role in this offense for the Steelers. Uh, James Conner, I'm a – Everybody knows from this podcast. I'm a James Conner fan. Uh, I think that he's a perfect fit for this offense, but I also think that McFarland uh, has this burst that James doesn't have, and I think that he's going to get a bigger bigger role. And part of that is also because I don't think Benny Snell is any good. Um, people get caught up that he every year he has, and by every year I mean each of the last two years, he has one big game where he has like 120 yards, but it's also on like 25 carries, and people just don't pay attention to that. Um so you brought up Zach Ertz quite a bit. Uh, I think Ertz is done, dude. He can't separate. I was I was seeing that as well, but I think a lot of it. I'm not even gonna make excuses. I I saw I saw exactly what you mentioning though. He he can't, and I think Goddard can, and so I think once he's back, I mean slowly but surely Goddard's gonna start taking over that role. I would not be surprised if the they try to trade Ertz this offseason. They they had a big contract dispute this offseason anyways where Ertz wanted to get paid. Uh, it's the time next offseason. Uh, like you said, Alshon Jeffrey will get cut. They've tried to trade him multiple times. They've tried to I think they've even tried to buy like, take him and a pick to take the contract and people won't do it. So uh, he is, he's just going to get cut. Uh, Deshaun Jackson will still make a difference on this team uh, when it's all said and done. I also have, if the Eagles play like this, they're going to win the NFC East. Um, The Eagles linebackers are complete garbage. Uh, If the Eagles, if the Eagles want to make a difference, you trade up for one of the stud linebackers in this year's draft class do exactly what the Steelers did when they went up to get Michael Bush and they traded up uh that's what the Eagles need Devin Bush sorry Devin Bush thank you yes Michael Bush is an old line uh old running back from like Louisville or something like that so sorry about that um I'm not going to talk about Chase Claypool everybody understands dude had a monster game um my next note is and it's funny because you brought this up during radio today and I actually disagreed you do not trade Juju Smith-Schuster. 
because he took so many double teams this yesterday. It was ridiculous. Go back and watch the game. He, he Antonio Brown this game. Yes. For Claypool to explode. Exactly. Yes. So uh, you need to keep that, and then you have this awesome duo of three to four wide receivers, and you just make this a pass-happy scheme all day. You really pull a Chiefs and just have weapons for days where you're just like, shit, like there's nothing we can do. So Pick your poison. Yep, exactly. Um, other notes, going to the Eagles now. Welcome to 2020 season, Miles Sanders. Uh, <laughs> awesome, awesome run by him. And yeah, he kind of got shut down the rest of the game, but he had like 13 touches the whole game. It was honestly a little surprising how little usage he actually got this game. No joke. So uh, that was surprising. Uh, you already brought Fulgham up. He looks so smooth. And you get Rager back and having those two, that'll be awesome. Like, you have Fulgham on the outside, Rager in the slot. Then you run a, with Ertz at tight end, and then you put Goddard when he's healthy as well at another slot. So it's another mismatch. So your slot is a speedster and Rager and a big body guy in Goddard. Uh, you're setting Wentz up for uh, success there. Um, Lane Johnson. So Lane Johnson had surgery in the middle of the week. A lot of people don't know this because of his ankle. Um, just one of those minor surgeries that you can come back basically the next day. But he ended up playing, I, th- I think I saw like 39 of the 65 or 70 snaps that they had in the game. So just over 50%. And I thought he held up nicely. I mean, you, you brought up TJ Watt having the sack early and that was on him. But after that, he kind of, honestly, he kind of owned TJ Watt a little bit. He, uh, he, they didn't have to double team t- against TJ Watt like a lot of teams do. They were just like, Blaine Johnson, you're the man. We pay you a lot of money. Go get that shit done. So um, <laughs> props to Lane Johnson. Um, I, I don't want this podcast to just be like us talking about like playmakers and stuff. I want us to – people understand that we pay attention to the, the nitty-gritty stuff of lineman play as well. And like I, I was very impressed by that. Um, usually we make fun of the Eagles play calling – and how they throw it deep when you shouldn't be. Uh, but I loved how both of these teams were so aggressive. I thought that they the, the defenses were playing aggressive, so it's like, okay, offense, counter that by also being aggressive and going deep. And it was actually ended up, by the end of the game, the fourth quarter, softening up that middle of that field so much because the cornerbacks were starting to just drop back a little bit, be like, I'm tired, I can't get beat deep because everybody else is tired. Like, let's not let this loss not be on me and then they just put pressure on like the linebackers to cover the middle of the field which they could just couldn't do so i love that and then my other new note was if Pitt, pittsburgh lets go of juju that is an awful mistake but we've already talked about that <laughs> so um that's my thought so awesome game it, it definitely was and one other note that i want to put in uh, I think it was the fourth down conversion or the fourth down, the third down play because they kicked a field goal and ended up missing it. Carson Wentz did miss the read. He had Miles Sanders open on the left side and forced it to the right. You can't be doing that, man. So, you got to know where you're at and work your way over there. You do. And actually, I will say, uh, Miles Sanders, I think, led all running backs last year with 20 plus yard receptions. I think he had like seven or eight last year, just super explosive. Wentz is missing. Sanders a lot on like little swing routes and stuff like and I'm not even just saying like missing because he doesn't like go to that read I'm saying like when he throws it to him he just 
does not throw it accurately. So I actually feel bad for Miles Sanders on like how many more yards and receptions he could have if his quarterback would just hit him like in stride and stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that that will get cleaned up. But um, yeah, so that that's always tough to see. Um, let's move over to the Browns versus the Colts. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I need some water. So go ahead and take it off. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Browns and the Colts. I'm just going to seriously start off with this. Baker Mayfield is lucky to have Javaris Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. and Austin Hooper as his targets. Because this dude, yes, he had a great game. He had a good game passing the ball down the field. Looked okay standing in the pocket. He had a great pocket all game. Excuse me, that he was able to just stand in and just decide where to go with the ball. Um, And then if he needed to move up and down the pocket and escape to the right side, he was able to do so. Um... But there was just some balls, man, that you look at it that are being thrown. It's like, man, if you just put that in front of the of your receiver, you'd probably get an extra five, six, seven yards there. Instead, they got to turn around and catch it behind them and fall down and just accept, you know, that type of situation and that yardage. But, I mean, the Browns, dude, they were able to just kind of, in a way, move the ball down the field very efficiently. They were good on the play action. Um, the balls behind the crossing receivers. That was the main thing that just I looked at Baker Mayfield and I was like, damn, dude, like what's going on? Like how are you just not hitting guys that are crossing the middle of the field? But the one thing that I do need to give in another positive manner is that if the Browns can keep this up offensively, look out. Because the play action was there. They were running the ball good. Austin Hooper was involved. Javaris Landry was involved. Odell Beckham Jr. was getting a ton of targets. Like, this offense has figured it out. They just need their defense to kind of keep stepping up as well. And they had that with Harrison on the pick six. As soon as I saw it happen, I was like, ooh, sorry, Treese. There's another former Jag right there making a play. So it's funny because I actually saw some other people tweeting about this as well. Harrison's been garbage on that team. Like, because he makes one good play, people are like, oh, see, the Jags. Like, what are the... He's been bad. Like, he has not played well for the Browns. <laughs> and there it is. But <laughs> after leaving the positive, uh, the last one, you had a good final drive to seal the W uh, in Cody Parkey. Of course, he just doinks it in for a field goal to really seal it. But Baker Mayfield, you have two interceptions across the middle of the field. One of them, I understand you're getting hit. Why the hell are you trying to throw it to a guy that's crossing to the opposite side of you? Like, you have a receiver running from right to left. Why are you trying to make that throw while being hit, and then you hurt your ribs? Like, in a a sense, you hurt yourself, and it's frustrating. The other one, what the fuck was that? There were four defenders there, and you're like, eh. Let's just see what I got. Pick. And on top of that, to just transition to the Colts, their linebackers are very good. Them guys can cover, and they can catch, and they're everywhere on the field. And then the defense, it's okay. I like it. But let's get to the Colts now. Phillip Rivers, I like seeing his confidence back. I love seeing the swagger back of like, hey, I'm launching this puppy down the field. And he was pretty much the whole game. It was a big part of that offense and like what helped them find success against the Browns' defense with Jonathan Taylor though, he had a rushing touchdown. I want to see I want to see him involved more. Like I want to see them pound the rock a lot more behind that offensive line. It's so big, it's strong and it's nasty. Allow that to develop and open up because that allows Philip Rivers to keep throwing the ball down the field, which he clearly wants to do. 
The pick six that he threw to the left side that Harrison took back that Teresa and I just went over, I don't know what Phillips saw there. I don't know how he thought that was a good idea and how you don't see the safety dropping down there to each their own, I guess. And then he had another silly uh, interception across the middle of the field. I just knocked Baker for it. I have to knock Phillip Rivers for it as well. Like, I don't know what you saw with that many jerseys of the opposite color that are not white. That doesn't make any sense to me. I just – the Colts get the – excuse me, the Browns get the W. A huge part of it was just mistakes made by the Colts, like that safety call that they had. Like, I get that that's how the call and that's the rule. I just think it's really stupid that an intentional grounding in the end zone is a safety. Does, like, Do you agree with that or do you think it's okay? The safety? Where, where are you at on that rule? Yeah, like an intentional grounding while standing in the end zone is a safety. 100% should be. I just it irked me. Maybe it's because it was against the Browns. Yeah, to me, like I just don't think that a quarterback should be bailed out because the defense did such a good job. That's a good way of looking at it. I mean, but also, I mean, to your point though, like actually, I, we, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. What side of the fence are you on when a player fumbles it into the end zone and it's a, and it's a touchback? Are you pro that or against that? I'm pro that. Oh, okay. So we're on the same page. A lot of people are against yeah. that, and I think that I very much think that that's a risk that you're willing to take. I think that this yeah, game, especially if you're reaching the ball across. Yeah, and I think this game is so leaning towards offense and points that you got to give your the defense some sort of advantage there, and that's a good yep. defense advantage. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I mean, that's where I was at with the game. Cool. That was a good transition. I was ending my my segment with <clears throat> asking you a question. Awesome. Um, so let's start off. First play of the game. How lucky are the Browns? That's a fumble by Kareem Hunt, by the way. Um, why that didn't get overturned, I have no idea. And they can't say it's because the whistle was blown because it wasn't, and they didn't say that when they challenged it. So that is a fumble. He is on top of a player, and the defensive <laughs> player knocks the ball out. So one, Browns got extremely lucky there. Uh, two, how bad do you have to feel if you're a Browns fan that the CBS crew in this game were praising Baker Mayfield for not throwing an interception for two whole games in a row? <laughs> two games. The dude's the number one overall pick. That is absurd if that's a win for you guys. All that being said, you're also 4-1 and one and you're going to make the playoffs. You have like an 86% chance of making the playoffs. It would be a very Browns thing if you guys didn't make the playoffs at this point. Um, but this team is very, very good. Like They can run the ball. Um, they have weapons when Baker is accurate. I mean, they're going to make some plays. I don't know why Baker feels like he has to throw it as hard as he possibly can every single throw. But every fucking throw. It's just like, I'm just like, holy shit, dude, relax. He's six yards away. Um, honestly, I think it gets him in trouble at some times. But again, like you said, like if they keep playing this way, they're going to be a real force. So I know I just shit on the Browns for my first two topics there. But like, really, the, the Browns team is very good. I think that they're they're – Honestly, pretty fun to watch, too. So, um, And maybe that's because I always think that uh, Baker's going to somehow blow it up. But uh, we'll see there. Uh, yeah, a lot of bad throws from him, though. But, like again, like you said, dude, that Landry catch behind the receiver's back was just nasty. That was awesome. Yep. Um, OBJ had a couple of really, really good catches. I love the creativity to get um, – 
Austin Hooper either out in the flats with nobody or just one-on-one, so that's awesome for them. Uh, the defense playing good. Miles Garrett playing like a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, Colts badly missed Leonard on the defensive side. Uh, they really needed him in the middle of the field. I think that that would have changed a lot of things in that running game for the Browns, so uh, that hurts. Um, the Colts cost themselves the win, and not only by – Rivers looking like his old self and just playing like absolute garbage that entire game. Uh, But how does Jonathan Taylor get 12 carries in this game when he had four in the first drive and you guys went down and scored a touchdown? He got eight the rest of the game. And you cannot tell me it's because the game got out of hand because it never really did. Um, Nope. Including the start of the second half, you're down 10. Go down, drive it down their throat, score a touchdown, and now it's a three-point game. You think you think you don't want it a one-score game when you have Baker Mayfield on the other side? Like, you know you have a chance to get the ball at any moment with him. Uh, so, just horrible play calling. Like, actually, there's a lot of bla- bad play calling in the NFL this week. Like, as I'm re-watching the games, I'm just like, you guys get in these, like, pass-happy situations when – you guys are averaging like five yards a carry. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Like just do what's just do what's working. Like you don't <laughs> have to like score like immediately. Like it's okay to have a five minute drive and just run it down their throat and make them tired. Because guess what? The next drive that defense is going to be tired, and then you're going to be able to pass it if you want. So um, those are my notes from the game. I just I think that this loss honestly is so much on the Colts. Uh, props to the Cleveland Browns. I'm not taking that away from them because they won this game. But I think that the Colts really hurt, shot themselves in the foot. You take away the pick six and the safety, and you win this game. Yeah, like two mistakes from your starting quarterback were made. Um, I I do agree though; they need to run the ball more with Jonathan Taylor. I I had that in my notes as well. I don't <clears> even know <throat> if I said it, but it's just I'm glad we're on the same page watching these games and be like, man, this is what you guys got to do. One last positive note though: I like the jerseys of the Indianapolis Colts. I like the all whites. White top to bottom with those big block blue letters. Looks pretty good. It does. Cool. It does. <laughs> Dope. Awesome. Let's move into our last game of the episode. I don't think we're going to just – I feel bad for Dak. We already went over it, so there's not much more to add to it. Um, Just to start the game, though, I don't know what the Cowboys do to get themselves in these deficits besides just fuck up. Like, they're just like, how can we shoot ourselves in the foot to start this game? Oh, there it is. At one point, you're down 17-3. to three. Like, Again, a part of that's a pick six, an accidental read uh, by Dak Prescott that forces you in that situation. But, like, Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, man, they just they came out throwing the ball and running it very well against this defense. And you look at the Cowboys, and it's like, all right, we just have to take care of it on offense. Well, then you don't do that, and then your defense can't stop shit. And that's where you're at. Ezekiel Elliott, I love the way he runs the ball. I said it last episode that we previewed the week, or reviewed the week, excuse me, and I'm going to say it again. The dude finishes every single run by lowering his shoulder and trying to get as many extra yards as he can. I love it. Now, when the Cowboys were down 17-3 and they got the ball back with Dak Prescott, the play calling that was there to march him all the way down the field, there was an amazing balance between running the ball between Zeke and Pollard and then throwing it with Dak to C.D. Lamb and spreading the ball around to Michael Gallup, uh, Cedric Wilson, and Amari Cooper as well. That was like, you look at him like, dang, okay, this Cowboys offense can be real. Like, they can be real good. 
might be listening and be like, duh, we've been seeing it all. We've seen it so far this season. That's where it is. But it was just you have the Cowboys have to find ways to continue to build off of that, and it's going to be hard to when their secondary is just as bad as it is. I just I wish I had answers, and I hate saying that I don't know, but at some point if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you look at this and we're just putting all this money here, you have to look at your secondary and go, where do we go wrong? You know, why did, why are we this bad? Why can we not stop anybody? I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't. An answer that I do have and I know is that CeeDee Lamb is the future. That dude is such a good receiver. We saw it in college in his transition to the NFL perfectly. With with Dak going hurt, or excuse me, with Dak getting hurt, you could really tell that the momentum had changed um, a lot for the Cowboys, and it wasn't okay. We have to find ways to just continue to play well. It's like we got to do this for Dak, and they marched the ball down the field directly after that, and they scored. Zeke runs it in, holds up a four, um, and you love to see it between between Zeke and Pollard. That's a great one-two punch, and I love it. And I hope the Cowboys start taking advantage of that more on offense to keep control of the ball, especially with Dak being out for the remaining of the year. The one other question I have before I transition to the Giants, and I'm going to ask it and then you can answer as I go. The Cowboys have to decide, do I want Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup heading into next year? Because I don't think you're able to keep both of them with what you've paid and what you've done. So looking at it, it's like, do we want to move on from Amari Cooper who – you no longer have any guaranteed money to after this year with his contract because his agent's a moron, or do you want to try and pay Michael Gallup and have him with C.D. Lamb um, and move forward with what your offense is? Just something to think over if your Cowboys fans are listening to this. With the Giants, Daniel Jones is not the problem. Has he struggled to keep the ball in his hands when he's under duress and fumbled issues? Absolutely. But it is hard to keep a hold of the ball when your offensive line cannot block jack shit and the hand is coming right over the top and hitting the ball out of your hands. You can have great grip. You can hang on to the ball well. When you have the ball in your hand and you sense pressure, of course he's sensing pressure. It's around him every moment that he's in the pocket. But there's times where he's standing there, and he's tall, and he still throws the ball down the field, and it's just dropped in the bucket. And you're like, damn, okay, we got something with Daniel Jones. And the next time it's like, okay, you can tell he's getting ready to try and get the ball out. Boom, here comes a defender, knocks the ball out of his hand, turnover. Evan Ingram, about fucking time, dude. I don't know why you're deciding to be productive on only reverses. I don't know why that's the only time they're really going to him on the offensive side of the ball. He needs to be more involved there. Like, he just – he has to be. I like the way the Giants came out to play. The offensive line is absolutely atrocious. I've already said that. And then with Daniel Jones, I know I just went on the rant there with it. But at the same time, it's so confusing. Because he's going to make these great plays. And I'm going to sit here and talk him up. And he's going to do good. And then you just see another mistake. You're like, what the fuck? So I guess I did all that promoting to just sit here and pretty much ask you these three questions, Trees. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, do you keep Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup? What are your thoughts on Daniel Jones? Why is it so confusing? And then Darius Slayton is your guy. Had a big game for the Giants and is the future number one receiver there. If he's not already been titled that there props on you appointing that from last year and we're seeing it continue to come into fruition this season cool all right so number one uh i think cooper is the guy man i think that he's the one that opens it up for everybody else and i know you're paying him a shit ton of money but uh i think you're doing that for a reason so i mean if you had to choose i would choose 
Cooper, but also Gallup's on such a cheap deal, and so is Lamb that you just keep them. You keep all three of them as long as you can, uh, which I think Gallup has another year or two on his contract. So there's that. Um, two. Uh, sorry, I don't remember what the other question was. Uh, Slayton is Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Yeah, Jones. go ahead. Slayton. Sorry. Yep. So Slayton. Yeah, he's he's the number one man. He is. He is a stud, and it's funny because they don't have any other real weapons, and he still does does what he does. Uh, I mean, like, Tate is a short receiver type guy, right? Like, he's always just, like, on the edges and stuff like that. And so he's going to be the guy. They still need another weapon. Um, Ingram, yeah, like you said, did really good on those uh, end arounds, which is awesome. But, yeah, he needs to do something more on in the actual field of play on passing downs. Um, before I move on to Daniel Jones— they, that callback on the fake field goal was such horseshit. Oh. Such yes, horseshit. I had it in my notes and I completely went over it. Because stupid call. I understand that they have to be set for one second, but they don't call that ever. You can watch every single play. There's a wide receiver that was in motion, and then you're supposed to either, like if you're setting to stop, like if they're in motion still then you can hike it. But if they stop, they have to be set for one second. And there's guys that are like still adjusting their feet every single play. Like every play. You could call this, I bet you could call this at least 15 times a game. Yep. It was a super tacky call. Yep. So I felt bad. Giants should have won this game. Um, and then Daniel Jones. I mean, dude, I just don't know, man. Like he's, I, I want to say it's because his offensive line is so bad, and besides Slayton, he doesn't have any real true weapons besides Ingram that, for some reason, the scheme just doesn't get him open. Um, I would love to see him for one more year there. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the guy, but I think that you got to give him a chance with some freaking offensive line. With something else, like, yeah. You've got to give him a chance here. I think he's been set up for failure there. So that'll be my that's my saying for that. Uh, last week I said that this was going to be a Zeke Elliott game. Boy, was it. Uh, over on another game, over 100 total yards and two touchdowns, and uh, both of them to basically seal the game in the second half. So uh, big Zeke game there. Uh, the play calling, so with McCarthy, when he was in uh, Green Bay, the complaint was always, what is he doing not playing Aaron Jones? Why is Aaron Jones getting like five plays a game? Why is Aaron Jones not getting this, right? Like, that was always a thing. And it's like, he's just an idiot. One know what? He did that. He's kind of starting to do that with Amari Cooper now. So, I don't know if uh, I noticed because Amari Cooper's on my fantasy team. But Cooper had, like, 10 snaps in the first half. He went he went a whole drive without playing. The next drive, he came in for two plays and then didn't play the rest of that next drive, which I think was another, like, five or six plays. He played two plays in two drives. And... Second half, he played a lot more, but I like I just don't get it. I don't understand like in what scheme is it like? Yeah, this Wilson kid is a better fit for our offense. Like, no, Amari Cooper is very <laughs> very good. Like, find ways to get him the ball. Like he had one target until that final drive where he had a couple targets, and then by the way, he's the one that made that play. Like those two Gallup. Catches, both fantastic catches. Holy shit. I didn't, on initial watch, I didn't think either of them were catches in bounds. And then on review, I'm like, holy shit, he got both feet in both times. Um, Thank him for the W, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, but none of those happen if it's not for Amari Cooper's fantastic play 
on the third down, which was a short, like, four-yard drag route when they needed nine yards, and he ends up busting it up the field and gains, like, 18 yards or something like that. Like, he's the one that makes that play. And that's when I'm like, that's why you pay him all the money. How does he, how is that his second catch of the game? Like, it doesn't make any sense, Cowboys. Like, it, it is very simple. Lamb in the slot is going to be open a lot, and that is because Cooper's on the outside. Guess what? Ezekiel Elliott can run the ball very good. Want to know what's even more creative? Get him and Pollard on the field at the same time. You have Paul. Like, give me an offense where you have Pollard, you have Zeke, you have Cooper, you have Lamb all out on the field at the same time. Um, Schultz, I love Schultz, and maybe it's because he's actually from my hometown, and so like it's awesome to like watch like somebody <laughs> that like I didn't not grow up he's much younger than me but grew up in this neighborhood right that you are very aware of who he is as a human being correct correct and like he's playing very awesome like and it's a that's a huge huge thing for him because one replacing the great jason witten but two he was behind jarwin week one Mm -hmm. and then jarwin torn his acl so like he didn't even get the preseason all of the not preseason all of the training camp Running, run with the uh, first team. So yep. he's doing fantastic. Um, moving over to the Giants side, Devontae Freeman, not too bad. So, like, he's one of those guys that wonder what you should do, Giants. Run him into the ground the first drive of each half. Because <laughs> after that, like, he, like, he, I, I feel like he catches the teams off guard with how, like, fast he still is and how much power he actually has on contact. And then mm-hmm. after that, the defense is ready. And so maybe you should go back to Gallman and all them, like, all the other drives. He, maybe he's like the Dwight Howard of the Lakers. First five <laughs> minutes of each of each half, he's, like, the guy, the bruiser in there. Like, that's the way I kind of see Freeman. So um, good sneaky little pick up there. And then this defense... Again, they, they kind of play better against the pass than I always think they're going to every single week. Every week, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to get blown out. And then it's like, oh, DVs actually are not playing too bad, but they can't stop the run. So uh, a lot of work for that organization to go. Um, New York is just struggling. Let's just say that with the Jets and Giants. <laughs> oh, shit. They got to be happy they got the Bills because uh, they're the shining spot, which is fun. You know what? Maybe they should just go to New York because they're actually in fucking New Jersey. It's also true. I learned that a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "What? Like, no, they're not. Like, surely that's just super close." Nope. Nope. They're they're out of New York City for sure. It's it's very much like San Francisco not being in San Francisco. <laughs> nope. So stupid. stupid. Shouldn't be allowed. Really. Yeah. So it is what it is, though. It is what it is. Hey, uh, a huge long episode. I don't know where we're at on time, but I know it's a long one. It is. But I feel like it's a good one. So if you suck around, <laughs> thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, all right, cool. Um, so, and actually, that's episode 150 for us. So, we hey, hit the 150 let's burger. Go. Hey, congrats to us. And congrats to all of you guys for listening to us for that long. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, I'm super excited about next episode, breaking down some good games. Um, Maybe we'll break into uh, some of the other games. I know we usually talk about uh, other games for just a minute or two, but since this has gone so long, we're not going to do that. Um, update on the bets before we sign off. Spread. We were both 43-29-2, but there is the night game tonight. Saints minus 7. 
You have Chargers. I have Saints. So we're gonna see. We may have another tie with it being seven. Uh, but hey, we're gonna we're gonna find out here shortly. And then player prop bets. I got you by one again this week because of the under on Dalvin Cook. Thank you for the injury there. I hope you're okay though. And now I got you by two. So you're 14 and 15. I'm 16 and 13. So still very close though. Uh, excited to see how this all plays out. Again, we appreciate you guys. And tonight we've been talking football.